Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hey, sweetie, what do you think of our new car from Carvana? Think it can handle our busy family? Well, we have seven days to see. First, we can take the scenic route to the beach and stargaze through the moonroof. We'll see if your drums fit in the trunk. Then we can pick up mommy's friends and check out that leg room. And we should really visit grandma. She's getting up there. That's like a whole lifetime in seven days. And like one busy family. With our seven-day money-back guarantee, you can confidently shop for cars 100% online. Visit Carvana.com for all terms and conditions. We'll drive you happy. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Hello, everybody. This is the Helping Friendly Podcast. Um, my name is RJ. I'm here with some guests. We're going to talk about Fall Tour 2021, ending with Halloween last week. Um, wow, there's a lot to talk about. But first, I will. Well, first, I'll introduce our guests. Um, as always, I'm here with Brian. Hi, Brian. RJ, how are you? Great. And I'm here with Jonathan as well. Hi, Jonathan. Howdy. Good to be here. 
And we have a special guest, our friend Dawn from Female Centrics, and she's done a ton of help and work on Undermine, um, part of the Osiris world. Hey, Dawn. Hello. Thank you for having me. This is great. Yeah, thanks for joining. Um, there, there's a lot. There's a lot to talk about. Um, I will say we're going to talk about the Halloween show in in depth, um, but I think first, should we maybe talk about? Can we just go ahead and just yeah. start talking about Santa Barbara? Because let's, uh, no, yeah, can nope. can I derail you completely? Sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry, you're not allowed. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I mean, we're you know we're there, we're there. You're already there, Jonathan. Exactly. The uh, so the Pebbles and Marbles is long. It has a real jam in it, and it's glorious. I mean, the song alone is great just to have, right? And then they do a, a great jam. Uh, they come out of Sample in a Jar and play uh, The Silver Light, which I love. I love as a fish song. I I, I don't know. If maybe somebody didn't, but they're wrong. Makasupa was clever and fun and uh, had that little squirrel stuff in it and uh, that worked just so beautifully in there kind of late. Um, Haley's Comet kind of had a little, you know, little jam in there. It wasn't super long, but it broke the 10. And, you know, that's something. And what it, just a good first set. Second set, Blaze On is big. Sea of Stars is beautiful. And then this 46-day sneaking Sally into Wikipop. Standalone Wikipop? Come on. That's crazy. And then about to run. Because, like, you think you're going to get a rest. And then Trey's like, no, nah, I think I want to tear it up. And they play about to run. I think that this is one of those shows that is going to be like to, to to your guys' discourse is going to be slightly overlooked until a few years from now when someone is going to look back on this tour in full and realize that a show like this in the moment was considered by some factions of the community as an off night, right or wrong. <laughs> and we're going to realize the same things we realized with all the great tours that actually there were no off nights and everyone should have just chilled out and enjoyed the moment because whatever the band was doing, whether you wanted them to do it or not was what they should have been doing in the moment. And I, I love beyond anything else out of this show, Pebbles and Marbles, amazing. The, 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 the sweet in the second set is amazing. To me, the fact that in Makasupa we get this continuing, well, well, this like continuing like fishism where the band decides to throw out a possibility for Halloween that the entire fan base globs onto, throws everybody off the scent. Everyone thinks that they have it figured out because here's the hints that they're dropping, and of course, this is the right time when they drop the hints that it's going to be the album that everybody thinks. And it's nothing like that whatsoever. It's just another little, it's like Jonathan said, don't, don't ever trust a prankster. Uh, 2.0, I kind of dropped out of the scene a little bit. It was a little too heavy, hard, the drug scene, the whole, I don't know, what do they call themselves? Danksters or something. I don't know. <laughs> it just got really too intense for me <laughs> during that 2.0 phase. So I, so, and that had, that had a lot, to, the albums I didn't really get into during that time too. I was living out West. I was like, really threw myself into the Grateful Dead during those years. Um, so for me, Pebbles and Marbles, I never had a moment with it until Beacon Jams. And for me, Pebbles and Marbles and Beacon Jams, like it, second, third, whatever. But like, that's the one that like, I listen and listen and listen to. So I've been really waiting for like a, uh, a new version of pebbles and marbles. Um, and so this one I just thought was absolutely beautiful. I thought that they jammed it out and I loved the psychedelic, psychedelic dance party towards the end of it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, 
Makasuba's references to black squirrels. So um, I recently this year have had the opportunity to uh, become friends with Mark Daubert, actually. And through Facebook, him and I connected and we just started chatting. And he's this really far out, cool, eccentric dude. And um, and, and so I started really list getting into those uh, bivouac, bivouac sessions, right? Am I right when yep. I'm pronouncing that right? Yeah. Bivouac, bivouac. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So, and I remember the black squirrels because to me, it was just this hilarious, these kids in their basement, all whatever the heck they were on laughing their butts off. So for them to bring in black squirrel, like those, the hi, how are you piece when it was barely a song for them in, in some ways, you know, um, and, and now pull it tied in through the whole Halloween run, I thought was really clever and, and interesting, uh, with, especially with my new kind of connection to the, to that I, time. I, for, I just want to um, say, I'm really shocked to hear that yeah. an old friend of Trey's is, uh, is an eccentric genius kind of guy. That's <laughs> never would have guessed. <laughs> Go figure, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's a neat cool. dude. He's all heart. He's a really neat dude. He's kind of, yeah, it's interesting chatting with him. Um, and my last thought on this one, I'm actually going to give a shout out to Dr. Leah Taylor, who uh, does another, uh, the Groove uh, Therapy podcast with Tara Lee Weathers. So I was a guest on their podcast. This is part of the Osiris Network as well. And about a week or so before the show started, and um, she had been chasing, if I could, her entire career. And so we actually took a moment and we manifested her being able to see this. So my goodness, so that night I wasn't able to go back and listen to it. But when I woke up and saw that the next day, I just couldn't even believe because she was there and she got it. So it was really exciting for her. <laughs> I'm very happy for That's her. That's amazing. I've been waiting to see That's it really since cool. 1994. So the the Sea of Stars, like it's it's a whole thing. If you if they play Sea of Stars, it just it just it affects the whole show. Like in yeah. a, in I think a, a great way, but it definitely affects the perception of the show more than the show itself. Almost like people are like, oh, they played that song at no, that's, that's not good. I think it's um, which all, is kind of mm, overlooking how awesome it is. It's kind, it's almost polarizing. Uh, some people are just yeah. like, ah, oh, well, the the energy was gone. I was like, dude, I mean. Like I, I'm not in the room or amphitheater or bowl or wherever the hell at the time, but it, I can't imagine. I mean, it's, it's what fish plays a spacey vibe is bad. Uh, I, maybe that's the deadhead in me. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it should be celebrated how well fish is playing right now when they play slow and quiet. It's something that is, admittedly not in their wheelhouse. They really had to work hard to play that well. And if you think about them through the early 90s, they were a very fast, aggressive, and pretty loud band at, at, in most cases. And from what I've read, that was a lot of what turned a lot of deadheads off to fish was just like they were too intense, they were too fast. If you go back to like 98, 99, 2000, like those are, there's some great slow, quiet moments like Roguet uh, or Roger however we want to pronounce this. Um, I got the thumbs up. Um, <laughs> that song just fit the vibe of that era so perfectly, the ambient jams. To me, Sea of Stars just works perfectly with the ballads that we heard throughout this year. I've been a huge advocate for how Fish played ballads in 2021. So slow, so patient, so emotional. I'm like, honestly, one of the highlights of the year. So playing Sea of Stars right next to the Pacific Ocean in a venue with like, what were there, like 700 people there? I mean, come on, just amazing. Mm-hmm. 
guys, um, can we, should we get into Vegas? Yes. Are we going to Vegas? Let's hit the road. Um, Jonathan, you were there that first night. That's the one night that I missed. I thought the first, like the opening of that show was just, reminded me of a late, late 97 show. Like, you know, whatever it was, 40 minutes or something of just like, it was just, it was so unexpected and so great. And it just reminded me of the old days in a way that is awesome. Um, what, what, what about you? I mean, you've all been to the first night of a big run, whatever that even means, right? Or just even the first night of a standard run, you know, and you, you, everybody's psyched. Everybody's, oh, we've all met up with our friends and blah, 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 blah. Everybody's amped and ready. And then they kick into 2001. Okay, great opener. This is going to be fun. All right. You know, and even whether it's a three minute 2001 or a 16 minute 2001, uh, you're you're psyched, but when it's that 16 minute 2001, or maybe this is 14. Either way, back to back with 1999, we're talking about a half hour dance party. And when they mm-hmm. went in 1999, we the room lit up even bigger, as probably everybody did. Brian in his living room probably woke the kids. You know, yeah, I'm getting fish bumps yeah, just thinking you know, about it. You know? It was um, <laughs> it was amazing. It was great. Just so fun. Uh, it, for me personally, it was great to be back in the room, um, despite all of the uh, non-music-related stressors involved, um, and and we threw down. We had ourselves a good time, um, and that set just continued. And I want to highlight um, Brian and you guys were both speaking about slower parts of the jams and 46 days and this 46 days which yeah a repeat shocking nobody i don't know when we by the time they got to it we were already kind of starting to think hmm, numbers and then they played 46 days like well i didn't think they'd play this one but okay right and uh and then it had a great jam i particularly noticed and loved how as the jam got nice and slow and quiet fishman then double timed he was like nope and he just starts flying and just shifted the vibe, kept the dance party going while still getting good and weird for a little bit. Um, what a what a lot of fun and nicely ended, if I remember that correctly. But I, I'll keep it to the first set. You know, we were just shocked and amazed and enthralled. Uh, another twenty years later, with a good jam on it. Again, not the deep dark jam that I'm really looking for, but I'll take it. A couple of things that I went looking at. So that 2001 Oper, you know, for me, I'm like, I was wondering how many people uh, picked up that it was going to be 2001 until that first, like... Yeah, it was like two you know, minutes with, of uh, noise going Cup. into it. It was, it was great. Yeah, like, is this going to be David Bowie? Is it going to, you know, whatever. And like, it, it, you know, anything. it was almost like a down with disease. It could have been Yeah, anything. exactly, like exactly. growling alien guitar noise, which is a great Yeah, way yeah. Concert. Yes. Yeah, and the last time they opened a show with 2001 was September 22nd, 99. And so, you know, not anything that anybody's expecting. Um, and then, of course, you know, 1999, I mean, you know, freak out with Prince kind of thing. But um, yeah, I think as the, the biggest takeaway I had from this show, I mean, pretty much every song felt unexpected and awesome, even when you knew what the gimmick was. I think towards the end, as we got down to like two and one, we knew what was coming, but it was still a ton of fun. It it reminded me closest of the Fuck Your Face show from uh, 83112. And I, I didn't mm. know if they had it in them to do this kind of gimmick show that really worked. Um, the 
following year, the most shows spell something kind of felt like they were really slogging through the gag. The Lushington first set the following year at Dick's felt like, okay, we're just going to do this one more time. And then we're done spelling out. Thank you worked. But like this felt in, in a way that eight thirty one twelve did like a fish show that regardless of the gag worked set list wise, but then you add into the gag and it just adds this other layer that I tried to explain to people who like music, but don't like fish and nobody could really pick up on it. It's one of those things that's just like three layers too deep for fish fans in, in the best way possible. So I walked away with a bunch of like jams I will re-listen to a number of times and uh, just an appreciation for their overall creativity. I, I can tell you that, you know, we very quickly, a couple songs in, three songs in, we were like, okay, it's numbers. What what else, what is there? And, you know, uh, my friend Dave, said strawberry letter uh 20 years later and then you know in in about half the songs in the second set were in our like kind of off the top of our head lists during first set uh because at that point we didn't know if it was just a set of numbers or a whole show a whole show seemed like a lot uh set break the conversation continued we had a great debate over seven below is that less than zero or is it just a seven you know and and I actually fall on the uh, it's below zero. Brad, I think, was the one who pointed that out to me uh, when we were in the hall, and um, and but we were wrong. That's fine. Uh, I I did think it would be a great opener, and I was right. I was right, everybody. I don't want to toot my yes. own horn, but I, I was correct. Um, I would not believe anybody who told me they called if six was nine. It's an amazing song, and they did a great job of it. I. Just, I, I think I spent the first half of it just with my jaw dropped. Um, maybe some high fiving pretty early too, but uh, yeah, I was pretty shocked. too were you packing or yeah tell me what was it like I was, I was personally i was sleeping because i was getting on a flight the next morning so i listened to this on radical plane the next day um so that's a really pretty exciting uh summary for me <laughs> what about you brian were you sleeping also cool no story, i was awake bro. i uh i somehow i somehow stayed up for all of these shows i the only thing i'll say just with regards to the f6 was nine I was at the fuck your face show and I, I, I realized the gag as it was happening, like being in the show, it's, it's, 
the top one or two shows I've ever seen just for everything involved. I didn't realize how much fun it would have been to be online during that show. And as this set list was coming in, the same thing was happening. People were throwing out the most ridiculous song ideas that they could pop. I mean, I was pushing as hard as possible for Fish to finally play U2's one, which has never been on my <laughs> radar. But I was like, now's the time, you know. Um, no, 515 wait, would, was everyone's dream as well. I would have loved yeah, that too, would, actually. Would Fishman <laughs> sing it? Would it be like a full, like, hold your head up and then Fishman out front, please? Tom. Henrietta? Oh, Tom. Tom okay. dressed up as uh, oh. with the black <laughs> sunglasses on the leather jacket. No, um, it was just, it, it was the kind of night where like, any song was on the table and every song that came up, everybody's reaction was just like an all caps. Wow. And I had two friends, my wife was at the show and we just kept texting as songs were, were coming up just like, Oh my God, I cannot believe this was played. You know, it was, it was just, there was no criticism. There was no analysis. It was just complete celebration the entire night of what makes, like, I feel like a show like this condenses into three hours. What makes fish so special? Yeah. I mean, what else can I say? Well, yep. actually, there's something else I want to say to, about uh, two things, <laughs> and maybe we'll transition to the next show and the, with the second thing. But the um, I, I lo- I, I'm leaving out a lot of songs just because we can't talk here all night. Um, but we all saw but that number line was coming. We saw it actually in the first set, some of us, like people I was talking with. We figured, oh, they're counting backwards. They'll end with number line. Well, they didn't end set one with it. So set two, they came back and started doing numbers. Well, they maybe they'll end end the set with it. And I was like, I don't know. They got first two where character zero, one of those will end it. And then they'll do number line, maybe encore. And uh, that's kind of how it happened. Best number line I've seen since I saw Tab do it in 2008. And that was the first time I heard the song was when Tab did it for me in Richmond in 2008. Um, absolutely just glorious. Just Everybody was into it except for the five guys who were sitting next to Brad, Brad Seats, who like just bailed and, you know, they probably beat the rush, but um, they missed it. It was awesome. And uh, Did you and they, tell them that you were sorry that they had to listen to their favorite band play their favorite song? There's someone who I know who quotes that every time. Number I, I didn't get a chance because they were just like, <laughs> poof. They were like, just were threw gone. down some smoke and they were gone. The thing I told several people, and I think I might have told you this, RJ, the next day when I saw you, uh, was that they did not have to do that kind of show to open this run, right? They, I mean, leave aside the fact that it turns out it's part of the whole Halloween myth-making with the the number of the 4680 and all of that stuff. They didn't have to come out and do a special-themed show. All they had to do was come and play a good show somewhere in the spectrum of what they had been doing, we would have all walked out of there happy. Um, and yet yeah. they came out, they did a special show. They gave us big jams, super fun, that like amazing heart explosion of the number line encore. And, um, and like just an absolutely just killer show. The next night, they gave us the show that they could have just gotten away with the first night, you know, which was just great. Just an absolute great show and no no theme. I we thought there I might found be. that show to be just like they wanted to get out, like not you know, knock out all the classics that we, that they knew everybody wanted to hear. 
And so I don't know if that first set had anything to do with if they were meaning to do that or not, you know, but uh, that was something I had read online somewhere about that. They played hydrogen. That's Um, all I got. No. The the last point's really, really good in the sense that, like, if they knew going in that they were going to build the 28th and the 30th around setting up a theme and then throwing everyone off the scent with animals in on the 30th, which we'll get to, they had just one show to play just a show. You know, you know, Ghost was mm-hmm. going to li- hang out until Halloween, most likely. Um, it's clear, it seems clear that they saved some of their newer soul-related songs for the third set on Halloween. So the 29th just becomes almost this greatest hits fish show. Plus, I don't even think it's in the realm of possibility of things that people dreamed about. I, I know I did when I was like 19, but they jammed out Axel Apart 2. Not not Axel 1, Axel Apart 2. Mm-hmm. Like, just say that to someone a year ago right now, two, three years ago, that, that's, that that song is going to come back, number one, and that they're going to then play a 20-minute jam off of the don't shine that thing in my face, man. Like, come on. memorize the lyrics to and for whatever reason Axel one still hasn't really like you know that's all they've played for that however many years so i think it's uh it's it's awesome that they're bringing that piece back um i'm just gonna just tout personal stats i hadn't seen it since uh philly 94 12 28 right so what and then they jam it (laughs) um and and Mike's song was good. Uh, it was total Mike. Yep. So Mike's hydrogen weak paw, good hydrogen. Uh, Shade was beautiful, and I always wanted this way was a boogie. Oh oh, and Olivia's pool to open. Come on, so great. Um, mm-hmm. Jammed out, ass handed, tweezer that kept kind of resurfacing. Um, and also, I somehow hadn't seen Ariba in ten years, so that was nice. Uh, I, I don't I don't know how that happened. Well, yeah, I don't what? know. I just go to the wrong shows, I guess. Um, but that's <laughs> yeah, awesome. I got, you got it. it. <laughs> uh, and, and I thought a good one. So um, when the tweezer jam into Sigma Oasis was, uh, I thought, pretty cool. Um, and then the walkaway peak. Walkaway usually peaks pretty well. This one was pretty big um, and could have sufficed for that tweezer reprise vibe. Um but uh, didn't. So we also got the tweet prize. So uh, what a lot of fun. Um, I Again, this is the kind of show they could have played first night. They could have played this kind of show all weekend. And it, mm-hmm. we would still be here talking about how great they were. This uh, sand was just fantastic. And I just love how he started. He's like, one, two, 
motherfucker three four <laughs> he said it, it was yeah. great i don't know yeah. if you noticed if you caught that at the beginning of it but yeah <laughs> it was a great show and you know just having a show like this almost has no attachment to the larger gag the larger theme of the run but is just in and of itself an incredibly solid re-listenable fish show that flows from the start of it to the conclusion i mean as you said, Jonathan, this could have been the show that started off the run. They also could have played three other shows just like this, and it would have been, I think, as quality of a run as as we got. And and that, to me, spoke to the strength of this run. It reminded me in a lot of ways of, um, you know, th- the way the Baker's Dozen felt or the way Magnaball felt or the way the Dick's 2012 run felt, where you have these kind of thematic fishy elements in one show and then in another show it's and i hope you realize i'm just saying this in quotes it's just a fish show you know what i mean sure. Sure. and it turns no, out true. to be mm-hmm. it's elevated in in the same level it doesn't need this show did not need a gag it did not need a gimmick it did not need anything spelled you could have seen this show on a tuesday in hershey you could have seen this show on the 29th in Madison Square Garden, you know, right leading up to New Year's. It doesn't matter where a show like this is played. It's just a great, great fish show through and through. Yeah, it spoke for yeah. itself. Yep. I mean, to me, the 1029 show was a perfect fish show. Like you guys said, they didn't they didn't have to continue on the theme from the night before or, or the one that they would do the following night. This was just a straight up show and... To me, it was it was nearly perfect. Actually, it was perfect. the The excellent part two jam I've listened to more than probably anything else from this fall. I mean, the fact that they first of all took that song that that far out there is incredible, and means that anything's on the table and anything's possible at any time, which is so exciting. But also, they they haven't been using the Bliss jams as much of a relying. A real, like a reliant place to go. The, there was a bliss jam in here, but it was toward. It was actually toward the end, which is just like so amazing. Um, the mics, hydrogen, weakapog, shade. I always wanted it this this way. Perfect songs, perfect placement, perfectly played everything. And then for me, which probably is the same for many fans, to get a tweezer in the second set with some ass-handed, uh, you know, nonsense beforehand. The Tweezer is just a great jam and segueing into Funky Bitch. Again, mixing up the song placement. No idea how that could happen. A second set Reba that uh, my friend Sam at some point was like, what song is this? And how, how, how often does that happen during Reba? Sand, back in a Tweezer, Sigma Oasis, Walk Away. I mean, the whole thing was just so rocking and so perfect. And uh, I loved it. I, it was It's one of my... One of my favorite shows I've ever seen. I, you know, I, I will say, so early in the show, we were, you know, grasping at straws for themes, as I, I may have mentioned. You know, we actually thought, or we, maybe it was just me, but I and my friends were talking about, are they, are they working songs that have been reworked? Songs that have been, you know, so we have Olivia's Pool and Shafty. Axilla has multiple versions. Mike's song kind of throws that out, right? Um uh shade throws that out i you know so it's not a theme but they you know reba um walk away sounds a lot like tweezer reprise so i you know i i wanted that but it wasn't there and that's fine Um, the other thing people were throwing out was names livia's axilla 
Mike's, and then you get to Hydrogen Week Park, you're like, well, but it's Mike's groove. So as a whole, and then it's they get to shade and that's what. <laughs> right, right, right. That's what they call it, but... <laughs> and then you get to shade, and you realize it's thrown out, and it's again. Yeah, yeah there's no names really mentioned in shade. Yeah, exactly. No, it's just you. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> and now a word from our friends at Shift Genuine Cannabis. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. I personally was thrilled about Third Night Let's Vegas. get into it. Um, yeah, so I am a diehard number one Gaiuti junkie. And so I had been waiting all year for it. I was manifesting it on my birthday. It didn't work, but that's okay. Um, they started off a sexy thing and did that whole thing, which was awesome for my birthday anyway. But so the second he walked onto the stage with the pig sweatshirt, I was like, oh, we're going to get it. <laughs> it's going to happen. Um, and, you know, so for them to start off with the other two, what were the first two songs that the they dogs. started off with? They were animal songs. And Ocelot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so knowing that we we're going to kind of get it um, was just really exciting. And I do have to say, I was pretty thrilled that it happened in the first set because I was not able to listen to the second set. I went back and was able to listen to Harpua, obviously, but I was throwing that big festival in Salem Mass on Halloween the next day. So I had to try to get some some sort of sleep in me, you know? <laughs> um but ending ending the show, you know, the first set with uh, with I'm the Walrus. And, you know, we also got Shaggy Dog, which was a bust out. It had been forever um dog face boy uh is always just lovely and the harpua which i'm gonna get your thoughts on that too i write i I definitely have a bunch of thoughts on that uh, on that one but i thought it was uh i was really excited for the people there because it's been so long and there's so many people that chase harpua so um i was really thrilled for the people yeah so i was really thrilled for the people that um that were able to get that i was at the 95 uh, Chicago mm-hmm. show where they played Harpoo in the same night that they played the Halloween mm-hmm. show, um, which was a really big night. So I was kind of reminiscing of of that evening for me. But you know, you know, they really laid down the whole piece for the next day, obviously. And um, I thought so. The song references I wrote down. They had Creeny, Pet Cat, Stealing Time, Lizards, Aculus. Nine cubes. If six were nine in forty-six days, I don't know if there are any other ones, but those are the ones that I picked up and talked about the rhombus as well. Um, and for them to finally pull in that weird-ass voice and that this was the sound of Iculus or Holy Blankenstein, like seeing wh- whatever that was, I mean, it was just perfect fish magic, and you know, or fish um, fish magic works. Weirdness. Yes. See, yeah, right. Exactly. That that we all—it's <laughs> a big, broad yeah. range of it. You know, a lot of a lot of things that fall underneath that magic. But you know, what I want to know is like, do you think that Trey has 
all this written out before <laughs> he goes in and memorizes it all? Or, you know, is he like rifting with like bullet points? Like, how, like, yeah. Um, I have thoughts. Um, I'll start yes. there. I'll start there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think that Trey knows what he's come out to say. And he might have even written down a lot of it. But he's riffing. He's riffing, you know, and he's playing to playing to the room. He's, you know, working with the band, you know, and a flash of light, a, a, a flash, you know, like, <laughs> like trying to cue the band kind of without them knowing. So it's not like it's uh, scripted strictly. It's, but there's, you know, what we know now, right? What we know after the next night is that, you know, there was very specific information that he was willing to give. And of course, the fact that he calls out an Instagram account that was real and had just posted, <laughs> you know, oh, I know what Halloween's going to be. Be right back. Got to get the door. And I had that on my screen when Trey says, and then there's a knock at the door, you know, like, and yeah. yes, I, I, I'm not a big guy for, I don't, tweet during shows i don't really take that many pictures i think i have like a dozen pictures from the you know of fish because there's better people taking pictures anyways um but uh (laughs) so i don't really look at my phone during sets but when he said do that i was like oh what the hell (laughs) and uh and yeah that was real uh so brian i want to hear your thoughts on the harpoo i've got stuff on the the show at large i was one of those fans who chased harpoo for what felt like decades. Um, oh, it's one of those oh, songs. My last one was uh, The Great Went. So. Wow. 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 I I got my only one, uh, Baker's Dozen, 2017. I still remember getting the, the donut notification the morning of uh, July 30th and being like, oh my God, I'm actually going to see Harpua tonight. It's Jimmy's night. I'm going to see it. And and just being on a high for the entire day. And then they finally played it after that incredible Drowned, a song I heard the ocean sing, like 40 minutes sweet to open up set two. Um, I was really drawn back in this Harpua to my favorite fish show of all time, uh, 1230-97, um, which has a Harpua in the third slot in the second set. They, they play this incredible 25-minute ACDC bag, a McGrupp that throws us back into Game Henge, and then the Oom Pawpaws come out. And Trey sets up the gag for the next night while also telling the story of how he and his bandmates met uh, Olive Loaves and... Uh, Lost in Space are all a part of this. It's this great, just like fish origin story. Tom Marshall comes out dressed in white, sings 500 Miles with Trey. It's just the perfect mix of created history that makes you believe that fish is bigger than just a band and humor and setless gags and just weirdness. And this one felt to me like that. It, it felt like the strongest version of what Harpua can do in, you know, almost 25 years. Fusing Halloween, all these sounds, all these weird ideas that we've been hearing throughout the summer, throughout the fall, these new names, Holy Blankenstein, that are now going to become part of fish lore once they play they're set the following night, yes. reinforcing that, yes, what you heard on October 28th, it does have meaning, while also joking around that we just played an entire show based around animals. 
So of course we're going to play Pink Floyd's Animals tomorrow, but we may play an album that would celebrate its 50th anniversary. So of course we're going to play metal. I mean, it just tied into all these little things that we've been talking about within the community. And like Jonathan said, we'll say it again, never trust a prankster. It's just Trey. And I think it adds to what's so special about this year is the band as a whole has figured out a way to embrace these very weird aspects of their past and aspects of them as a band that I still would say has absolutely no rationale why it works in modern entertainment, you know, like how, how do you sell a band like this, but also with where they're at in life and where they're at at this point and where they're at with this new creative venture that they're going through with the get more down album that we'll talk about here. So all of that is to say, I thought it was a really special version of Harpua. I think anyone who was in the room, sometimes you you get a Harpua just to get a Harpua. And it's just a great moment where the band kind of acknowledges with like a wink that, yeah, this is a special show. This felt like Harpua on just a completely different level in terms of what that song can do within a rock show. Yeah, I mean, Trey's not been doing a lot of narration lately. Let's no. just just call that right out. So when they uh, when they did the oompa pause, I was um, not getting my hopes up, if you will. I was like, oh, cool, we're gonna get harpoo. I mean, we're doing dogs, animals, whatever. A lot of dog show, a lot of dog songs in their catalog, by the way. Dog songs, but no dog log. What? No dog what? log. Oh well. Um, yeah, you know. Wow. Someone's saying maybe maybe we'll finally get that dog log that they promised us from uh twelve eleven ninety five. The album, yeah, the album of dog yeah. logs. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I got my first dog face boy since ninety four as well. Um, yeah, so I was busting all kinds of gaps on this this run. It was kind of great. Um, yeah. But talking about the prankster thing and hearing Trey lay out what we learned were all of these clues, right? I didn't believe a bit of it. I was like, this is, you know, he's fucking with us. He sings a little riff from Jesus Christ Superstar. Come on, they're not playing Jesus Christ Superstar, whatever that is. Mm. That's not happening. And it didn't. Um, but half of the stuff he did say was something. So that was that was kind of cool. Um, but taking it back, they opened with a jammed out dogs, you guys. Like, what? <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, it, what a what a fun show as a whole. Like they have a lot of animal songs, a lot of dog songs. They played a crap ton of them, and they could have played another set easily. I think um, they could have, uh, particularly if they had injected a few more jams. This is not a complaint about the amount sure. of jamming. This is just you know, like if they had wanted to do a dog, or excuse me, an animal run. They probably could get, could pull it off. Big Black Furry Creature from Mars was amazing. I just want to shout that out as well. Um, and yeah, and uh, a Shaggy Dog was um, really nice to get. So that I have at least one thing that my friend Todd hasn't seen, and he started seeing it in nineteen ninety. <laughs> so love it, Todd. The dogs were jammed out to open the show. The dogs was jammed out to open the show. Uh, week ish earlier in phoenix i saw marsha monster jammed out and then we got your pet cat a brilliant jam out of your pet cat in set two of this show it's taken them seven years 
And I think part of it is they just loved the grooves of these chilling, thrilling songs. But to hear these songs really start to emerge as potential jam vehicles is really exciting because these songs are just pre-made jams. And to hear them go from what is essentially the jam segment of a traditional song into a type two jam right out of it. I mean, you're just hearing creative fish at like another level there. And uh, I thought your pet cat will like a lot of jams this tour and we could go into detail about them, but like, we don't have time. There's so many. We could, we, we could yeah. start a podcast maybe. We, we could continue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't even, I didn't even think about it in that sense because that is, that's the thing about that, about the Halloween, the Disney Halloween um, show was that, you know, all they did was essentially take sound effects and then write a new yeah, album, right? right? And all so, they did. Yeah. So, but I yeah, yeah. So, they only did exactly. one side so of the Disney so, record, too. Let's just, right. there's a whole other side. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, so, so for them to be jamming out songs that are already jam, yeah. you know, not necessarily lyric-filled songs already, it's an interesting point. Anyone have any final thoughts on October 30th, or should we move on to the 31st, which I think will probably be a whole other hour of discussion? <laughs> I think any show that you're going to start off with Buried Alive, for me anyway, is just always, you know, balls the walls. Woo! <laughs> I have long said it on this very podcast, uh, with one notable exception. If a show opens with Buried Alive, it's a good show. It's yeah. such a vibe it. when they open with that. It just like, yeah. it just throws you right in. And, and yeah, I love it. Um, so first set, very, 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 very solid first set of a Halloween show. Uh, you get an incredible 27-minute yep. ghost that, listening back to it, there's there's a moment around 18 minutes where it sounds like the band is about to close it out. Already a really quality ghost that they're going to fade out. And Trey, as he did so much throughout this tour, finds another idea and says, let's just see where this goes. And that ends up taking them for another nine minutes. It's a back-end jam off of Ghosts. I don't feel like I've heard the band approach that song in that manner since 2.0. And really just exciting to hear them figure out what else is there. Can, can we find a way out of this silence? And when they do, you just get all this creativity. I, I loved this version of ghost. It was uh it was good. Good roses are free. Good ghost wolf bands. I, I thought kill devil falls was really nice. Surprisingly nice. Um, I yeah. think that'll be one that 
probably over will be overlooked as a whole yes. from this run, but it is good and worth your time. Um, and I, I think I have to address the David Bowie because I've been on this very podcast talking about how we need a jammed out David Bowie and that I feel like they're ready. Um, they sound like they're ready. And uh, then uh, they give us a little intro and I don't know what happened. But it didn't quite. They have been cutting it short well, lately over the past few years. Oh yeah, yeah, and they haven't been landing yeah, it right. Yeah. But but here in the intro, they kind of uh, they they gaffel it. It doesn't. Uh, something happens. The wrong notes are played at the wrong times, and then they laugh it off and proceed. And we get. It's not deep. It's not a deep type two, but it is a excellent type one classic David Bowie with a great ending. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll take that as a step towards what I'm looking for. And maybe they'll I will, play it for me next year. I will too. It, it reminded me a lot of the, the, the intro botching notwithstanding. It reminded me a lot of um, stashes from mid 3.0 where you would hear the band divert for 45 seconds to two minutes modulate into a different key and then figure their way back into stash. And it proved to be a very re-listenable version that didn't quite go where stash could in the past. We've heard via this year of fish, the shoreline version, the deer Creek version stash completely go off the map and figure its way back. You and I have talked about this. Like I, I think David Bowie is ready to do that. And I thought we were about to get it at Dick's. Um, it was a very, very high quality version. Didn't go to where this one did. And then David Bowie is just on the shelf throughout the entire fall tour. And here they are. They played at the tail end of set one on Halloween. And when they went off the map, I was like, we're going. And I don't know when we're coming back. And we came back sooner than I would like, but it felt like one of those purposeful, we can do this. And my hope is, my hope devoid of expectations is that they just decide to come out on like December 29th and say, fuck it. Let's just try to open the second set with David Bowie. They can't, they, Let's bring back December 29th, They can't. I mean, yeah. Why the hell well, not, right? Because they can't. That would be that would be the one night they shouldn't do it because they've done Fair point. a 1229 Fair point. Bowie. Um, I've been there, done that. It was amazing. But uh, I would say the fact that they waited until Halloween is proof that Trey's been listening to the show and uh, knows what we're looking for. Um, and I, and I, in fact, I feel like an awful lot of this run it was definitely very much tailored to service me. And I'm going to cut this part out because it's it's total bullshit and I don't believe it at all. But it's fun to say out loud. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I Trey, I really... if you want to play a good fish show, we have the podcast for you. We will guide you. Yeah. So, should we get into uh, set yeah. two? Yeah, it's time. It's time. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm gonna be honest, straight up. I, you know, in the moment, it was it was what I kind of felt like because I was there for thirteen, right? So it was kind of like their first, like you know, birthday suit album for Halloween. And since then, I feel like this is the fourth one, right? So we've had you know the Fuego, and we had um, Disney's Halloween in a way, um, the Cast of X, and uh, now we have sci-fi soldier so like you know i call these the birthday suit uh um albums and for them to cover anyway i think part i think part of people's and just in my i guess if i'm being honest again sort of uh a, the initial 
disappointment piece is that they're not doing an album again. They're not doing Zeppelin. They're not doing Michael Jackson. They're not doing whatever. But I'm easily able to put that aside and move move forward, right? Um, and and really appreciate this piece, this you know vulnerability side of them that they gift us, and that is so so unique about our community and our love for this band and their love for us and how they're able to just you know this is what we're doing. It's this brand new stuff, right? So. You know, when it first started, it kind of, I don't know, it, it took me a little bit. I was a little uncomfortable. I was a little whatever. I think the 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 um, harmonies, I, I feel like we're a bit off. Like there was, but so, so, so taking that piece aside, then I just sort of breathed a bit and then just opened myself up in a completely different way. And once I did that, once I kind of got out the like, okay, this is, it's not like this is what they're doing again, but this is what they're doing. They're they're doing, they're gifting us a brand new album. This isn't something else that we've heard before. Then I was able to enjoy it a little bit more. I think that there was a lot of great parts to each song, but there were some parts I think that just needs to be worked on. And I just think that that just obviously goes with them. Here's a brand new album, guys. Like nothing you've ever heard before. Um, I love how fishy it is. You know, I, I had texted Tom. I'm like, do you have anything to do with this? He's like, nope. I'm like, I didn't think so. <laughs> you know, so I love how like, you know, it was very um, them or like that weird fishy stuff over the more sort of uh, lyrical poetry that I feel Tom really pulls into um, the side of fish. So I had a blast listening to this when it happened. Awesome. Yeah, and, of course. Of course. That and I I, I've listened to it again and I love it. I love it. Is it, mm-hmm. um, it's not as polished as Kazvat Voxt was, but yeah. let's talk for a second about how amazing it is that they have presupposed an album made by people 2,000 years post Kazvat Voxt, influenced by Kazvat Voxt. That's just mm-hmm. crazy. And you can hear it, like you can hear elements of that music in this music. You can hear not just you can hear lyrical references. You hear all of these pop culture references that you know are just random, random scatterings of pop culture that may that may or may not mean stuff to us now. May or may not exist. Persist two thousand years from now. Who cares? It's just fun, and um, I like that you picked up on that. You know, it's it's so fishy mike posted a uh an instagram video i guess he recorded it right before the show i didn't yeah. see it till the next day and he was you know just talking about how excited he was he was like backstage in the video production area and he was like he's so excited for it uh one of the words he used that uh is super clear to me is a real thing is collaborative uh yes. this is this sounds like the things that fish writes together like fuego you know, it sounds like what happens when all four of them get together and make a thing. And um, you're right; it doesn't sound like Tom wrote it. That's okay. Tom's writes. Tom is still writing great stuff with Trey, and we will keep getting that material oh, yeah. too. Uh, and then we have yeah. this stuff, which I think is just going to continue to take shape. But there are really good things. 
straight from the gate, Knucklebone Broth Avenue was a jam. We were dancing our asses yeah. off. First, we watched the whole like teleport onto the stage thing, which is a great gag. You know, we've been seeing the little like shoots like when they were pulled up in the ceiling before during the first set and so yeah i I don't know if i have favorite songs i really love the unwinding i i love the howling uh i am in miami is absolutely a wonder of a song it's a brilliant brilliant song and i want to hear it it, it, uh, it. everywhere i i think they need to play it a million times it will probably be Mm -hmm. one of the it'll probably supplant grind as their go to the edges of the stage song um and it yeah, it's an adorable it's, Fishman it's, song. It's outstanding. I, mean, yeah. I know they were all singing, um, but that's just how we see it. Uh, yeah. Clear your mind. Egg in a hole. I, I, I don't think I should have asked for this. Um, brilliant. Just great. Brian, let's yeah. see. I, I want to know what your wife thought, if you could, if it's okay to share uh, a filtered version of her impressions. Yeah. And I love that you guys go to the show separately. My husband and I will, I, he lets me go off to shows by myself, but lets me, but you know what I mean? Like, that's turns. great. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Sometimes you have to do it. You, know? you have to take turns. I love seeing shows with her. She's my favorite person to see shows with, but like she needed four days to get more down, if you will. And, uh, yeah. as one does, as one does. And I needed four days to chill with my kids and absorb some fish from the couch. So it was great. But she, uh, I will admit, and I don't know if she's going to hear this, but I will admit I I was a little worried when the set began because there are there are certain elements of the music that I listen to that appeals very much to this set that she does not like when I listen to at loud volumes in the house, and so I was a little worried it was going to be very very weird and it wasn't going to be you know in the realm of what she loved. I didn't send any messages to any friends who are there because it's just, it's brand new fish. We're all absorbing it together. Like there's no way for me or for you to impose your opinion of like, this is great. Cause like you said, Don, like you kind of needed a couple songs to be like, like to feel out what new fish sounds like in the moment. It's one thing mm-hmm. to get a debut. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to get 12 debuts in a row and try to figure out where the band's headspace is. And it wasn't until uh, the Ninth Cube that she sent me a message and was like, that was one of the prettiest fish songs I've ever heard. And I absolutely love this set. And I was like, awesome, awesome. She gets it. And she came back home and uh, was singing Clear Your Mind, to which my son, my son was singing Clear Your Mind, to which he started singing Clear Your insert whatever dirty word uh, he knows from school. And that is now <laughs> that is now gone around uh, our, our, our home. But... Um, <laughs> You know, for me, I just want to say, I want to start it with this. Like, Jonathan, I hadn't thought about it in the sense of this is 2,000 years in the future informed by Cosmo Vox. Like, I knew what year they were supposed to be writing from. But, like, that just had me thinking about the Renaissance and this idea of, like, this burst of creativity in Italy in the 14th to 15th century where people were rediscovering for the first time Greek and Roman history and arts and like to think 2000 years from now, whatever's going to happen to humanity. And are we going to colonize space? Are we going to, you know, be able to live on this planet in 2000 years? Who knows to think about where society has evolved from and culturally to be informed by these cultural artifacts from 2000 years prior, just blew the history minded part of me uh, away. So thank you for, for adding that to it. Um, 
Yeah, that was awesome. Good luck grappling with that one. <laughs> My head is like, I'm <laughs> reconstructing it right now. Uh, on a purely fish in 2021 level, the thing that I loved the most about this was, you know, we've heard this band, you use the word vulnerability, Don. I, I'm right there with you. I think Wingsuit, that set was the bravest thing the band has ever done. Um, I understand like the disappointment certain people felt as a result of it. I thought it was the most important move the band made in the 3.0 era. And we are here right now with fish because they decided to do that. We then got, I I was going to say, I totally agree. Also that wingsuit set and the um, conversation around it is precisely why I am here right now, because it was that conversation that led to me being a part of Helping Friendly Podcast. I love that. Go figure. I love that. I love love the creativity. We've heard the band since then. I mean, 80 plus new songs have been injected since 2013. And I remember thinking at one of the shows I saw this summer, or this fall, I think it was San Francisco, they were playing, I believe it was the Carini, and it was so lyrical, and it was so, it felt like they took a piece of a song and added it to a jam. And I remember just thinking, none of this is possible without the songwriting revolution that we've heard from Fish. Like the the idea of this band recrafting songs and refiguring out how to speak who they are 30 plus years into their career has allowed them the ability to then communicate with each other on the fly in these jams that are the reason I go see fish, you know? Um, but I was thinking all of that leading to this set, I have never heard fish. So try to communicate as their direct influences. I heard Gabriel era Genesis. I heard, yes, I heard early pink Floyd. I heard King Crimson and all of that filtered through who fish is. Fish will never be those bands. They will be informed by, and they will attempt to, you know, we all try to make our heroes proud. They will attempt to utilize what those bands provided for them. But at the end of the day, they will be for incredibly hilarious, nerdy, now middle-aged white dudes in spacesuits on stage. And you like combine all of that. And I forget which one of you said it, but like the fishiness of it, it was hilarious mm-hmm. It was sometimes awkward. It grooved like crazy. It was layered with seven or eight jokes all at once. And it allowed, the final thing I'll say, it allowed the band, for I think the first time since Story of the Ghost, the ability to take this sound that they have been playing in improvisationally for an entire year and reduce those those sounds to songs. And now forever, however long Fish plays, whenever they play The Unwinding or Don't Doubt Me or Knucklebone Broth Avenue or The Howling, you're going to hear 2021 Fish the same way that when they jump into the MoMA dance, you hear Fall 1997 all over again. That's a really special thing that they were able to do that for us. And all of that combined has just given me a... I was already really happy with where Fish was at in 2021, thinking about where they'd be in 2022. I have just an insane amount of excitement about where this band is going next.
so should we talk about set three and wrap this thing up? Um, Big Carini, um, one of the darkest Death Don't Hurt Very Longs, which, um, I, by the way, did you guys hear the similarity? And Was it Don't Doubt Me to yeah. Death Don't Hurt Very Long? There's a little like rhythmic similarity and kind of vibe. Um, it, it, I felt like the set was one of those, these things go kind of two ways. It's either... Um, release of tension and then they just kind of play or it you get a little mm-hmm. bit of the um uh jukebox tray where he's like oh we could play this song now so i, I felt it went a little bit mm-hmm. that second way uh but that's okay uh ended nicely and a great big hairy hood to send us out of there that was um that was wonderful yeah yeah i thought it was it was a very it, it, it was a thematic set, uh third set it lonely trip Soul Planet, Drift While You're Sleeping, and then you scatter in there, Carini, uh, Death Don't Hurt Very Long, Twist, and Hood. Like, you have this set that, I mean, I was surprised we didn't hear, like, uh, an Everything's Right or a Set Your Soul Free. Um, But we did hear these, you know, newer fish songs scattered with some old classics that speak to this one half of where the band is at, which is, you know, very earnest, very uh, appreciative and 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 you know um aware of how lucky they are to continue doing what they're doing and i couldn't help but think when lonely trip started um i don't know if i've heard a better song to describe the last 20 months 21 months 22 months however far we're into this whole thing that it just like you know the vibe of kind of drifting on your own and we may pass each other we may connect it it really hits hard in terms of what the last two years have felt like just existing. And I thought it was a really great placement for it coming out of a really cool Carini. And um, I just love how Soul Planet continues to, and hopefully forever will troll the entire fan base because you have all those people that, you know, they complain the second it starts. I was with a very, very close friend. 42 minute or whatever. I was with a very close (laughs) friend at, uh, at Phoenix and they started playing it out of a Martian monster jam. And I could see it on his face like, no. And then they jammed it for 18 minutes. Third song of the show. And I was like, this is what it does. And, uh, it was a great, great version. Well, and I love how you guys had um, you had a question on here about how do we think this set's going to impact our view on Fish 2020. Are we ready to move into that question? Because I thought it was a I, great if one. If you're ready, I'm ready. Awesome, awesome. And I actually have a, I have a friend who who I asked a. Um, this as well. And I'd love to, to chime in with his, but so I personally, you know, I think, you know, kind of what we talked about a little bit, you know, before is about, you know, were they planning this Halloween since before the summer tour? Cause it all seems connected now. And I really do think that that's, you know, what's going on. But so my friend, Daniel Bowman Simon, so he's a gentleman that helped Trey get food from the fledging farm crow farms that, um, Trey talked about during the solo. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so he has been to, Every single show this year, all the Trey bands, all the solo, all the fish shows, right? So I, I texted him beforehand and coincidentally, he's seen them 46 times this year and he was born in the 1980, in 1980. So he was kind of, you know, <laughs> it's just a sort of coincidence or whatever, but I loved what he had to say about it. Um, so he said, you know, that he was still processing turtles, touching donuts. And personally, he said, I've been chasing a song about tardigrades. Tardigrades is that how you pronounce yep. it? 
right? Yep. Um, for longer than I care to admit, longer even than I chase sexy wombat. <laughs> 2021 has been a stupendous year for the bust outs from the past, present, and future. Moss piglets will outlive our brains, and it's comforting to know that the sci fi soldiers will carry on the 4.0 legacy into the 47th century. Also, a dozen brand new songs dropped into the rotation means that every song in the canon will become, on average, a little more scarce, which if you're chasing anything other than maybe character zero, maybe um, it makes it more important than ever to never miss a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and a Friday, Saturday show. <laughs> and he said, in the Judaic tradition, the, oh goodness, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this right, the Gematria, G-E-M-A-T-R. A-H, Gematria, of four plus six plus eight plus zero equals 18. 18 equals chai or high, and chai means life and fish is life. I thought that was a really cool way of putting it. That was really interesting to get it from somebody who's been, you know, uh, there for every show and whatnot. He's a, he's a really cool, really cool dude. Yep, right so. on. Uh, most shows spell something yeah. after all. So, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that... I, I don't know what this means for 2022. I know what this means for 2021. It's It's been a great year. Yeah. Um, the New Year's run will be a great celebration of that. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I hope people have a blast. Uh, 2022 is, it's the next thing. Um, I Yes, I think Fish definitely concocted this prior to summer tour because frankly, there's no other gap in time that Trey could have worked on it. Um the guy's just mm. too busy. Um, so next year, I think we'll start to see you know, a couple of these songs pop back up. A couple of these new songs pop back up. A couple songs fall off. Uh, hopefully, to be you know brought back when the time when waiting is fulfilled. And um, I, I just think this band is got a new lease on life. I really think that we should be calling this 4.0 because it's. It's another moment for Fish. This mm-hmm. is not the same group that played Mexico in early 2020 or in that I saw in 2019. And that was a good band. I mean, yeah, that was a pretty good band. But this is different. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've they've leveled up. So mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's a new release, um, and and I'm happy to have it. And I look forward to hearing what comes next. Yeah, I think in terms of how this impacts my view of this last year of Fish, like when Fish is at the level that they are right now, where it seems like all their ideas work, the technology that they implement into their live performances just works in terms of communication. Um, it's it It adds an element of what is already something that you obsess over, talk about, for hours and hours and hours on podcasts, spend time potentially debating fruitlessly with people about re-listening to analyzing yourself and it raises the stakes on it. And a year like 2021 after, you know, fish could have not come back after the pandemic. I'm so glad that they did, but they could not have. And in the same manner as like so many other periods before in their life or in their career where we, thought we heard the best of fish and we thought there's no way it can get better than this. There was no way they can evolve to a better position than this because this is the best I've heard them. They find a way to add something new, to add a new sound, 
to add a new element to their shows. And so all of that is to say, like, even before they they came down those portals for set two of Halloween, I thought that this was the strongest fish year that I've ever personally experienced in terms of creativity, in terms of set list, mm-hmm. in terms of jamming. To then find out, and I agree with you, Jonathan, I don't know any time that Trey or the band would have written these songs in between July 28th and October 31st. To know that they had been walking around or to think that they had been walking around with these ideas and these songs in their back pocket and were then playing jams like the Deer Creek Simple that literally sounds like one of these songs for 25 minutes across a jam. So many, uh, you know, the Alpharetta Tweezer, the Soul Planet, the Simple from Dix, so many of these fall tour jams that sound just littered with the sounds and references and ideas to sci-fi soldiers. It adds another layer of meaning to this. And it means that they walked through a year that they were already playing at such a high level and they were playing a prank on us the whole time. And what could be more fishy than them playing at this high, high level? And that high level also is just a joke on their fans. And that like, yeah, I don't know. I said it after Kaz Vote Boxed when, you know, the realization started coming in of, wait, they found a, now a lost album from this band to wait fish invented a band and a backstory and wrote an album based off of it i I thought to myself like this is a creative project that has no bottom like there's no end in sight to this Mm -hmm. it's just another layer to it they just they keep diving down this rabbit hole of what their four brains do together and it's it's just total magic and and this Mm -hmm. as i said earlier this builds on that this is right Right. voxed (laughs) continued yeah mm-hmm. um and different yeah. as it as it would have to be there's you know it would be weird if it sounded like the last one you know the... right yeah yeah we're going to all four nights of uh madison square garden it's our first four night run since nice. 11 yep i am super pumped to see uh how this ties into because they usually do you know it's usually a you know a big hit that you know they'll pull in or whatever um and i think that this is going to be some some weird it's it possible time travel shit or something like Spoiler, that. Spoiler, you know? <laughs> the whole thing is going to be built around egg in a hole. <laughs> ah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> One thing I will say before we go, um, this is our last weekly episode of HF Pod on tour. Uh, for the time being, we are trying to figure out ways to keep this thing rolling here in the future, but we want to thank our incredible sponsors at Shift Genuine Cannabis who brought us back. We were able to do all those live shows through the summer and through the fall, as well as uh, do these weekly shows that came out every single Tuesday. So thank you to everyone who has listened. We will let you know when or if this is coming back in the new future. I hope it's a when, Um, but this was a ton of fun. Jonathan, you and I did pretty much, this is our 15th episode. I think that we did at the very least 12 of these together. There were a few live episodes tossed in there, but uh, it has been such a joy to talk fish with you for the last four months. You're one of my favorite people to talk fish with. And Don, this was incredible to have you on and uh, and go through this. So so thank you guys. This was awesome. And RJ, wherever you are, Thank you for being our fearless yeah, he just <laughs> He just wandered off, y'all. Sorry. Hey, guys. I'm right over here with some answers. So I reached out trying to get some answers, um, and, and we actually got some responses from Trey. So to the first question, how long has this album been in the works? Trey's response, 
The album has been in the works since the year 4680, but that is only relevant if you believe that time moves forward. If you don't believe, as we do, that every event has the characteristic of being both present and not present, i.e. future or past, that time is a self-contradictory idea. So, super clarifying. Thank you for taking the time to answer that, Trey. Uh, second question was, was the lyric writing all band slash collaborative? And uh, Trey says, yes, the songs were all co-written together as a group. And finally, we asked, what was the name uh, Fishman's character, Polly Roots, all about? Uh, Trey said it was to our friend, Paul, Polly Roots, Labruciano, the brother of Anne Labruciano, an early friend of ours who was a DJ and used to spin discs while we played at some early gigs. She actually collaborated, collaborated with us at our second show ever in the basement of Slade Hall. So there you go, guys. Um, we got asked some questions and we got some answers. Hope that helps. Uh, what I guess that's it, right? So uh, thank you all. Yeah. Be well. All right. Peace. Peace. What's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts.